0: Hello, and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. This episode features an interview with Randy Wigginton, Director of Platform and Infrastructure Engineering at Square. Randy was an early programmer at Apple and has experience working at PayPal, eBay, Google, and Chegg. On this episode, Randy talks about what it takes to produce world-changing innovations, how to use data to fully understand your customers, insights of how to compete with tech giants, and much more. So, please enjoy this interview between Randy Wiginton, Director of Platform and Infrastructure Engineering at Square, and your host, Steve Hamm.
1: You know, it's when I think back, we met each other in Las Vegas just before COVID. And then I think we also saw each other in Scottsdale. Ah, both of these yes. with Snowflake. And it just seems like, eons ago doesn't it though and it was just a few months uh
0: it's just
1: the world has just changed
0: i have a uh, friend who says that um it is like march 157 or something like
1: that i know i know it's just been it's been an amazing thing but you know what one of the things i really enjoyed talking to you about when we first met was the fact that you have worked for a number of notable technology companies Apple, eBay, PayPal, Google, all of these before Square. And you're still a young man, so I don't know how you've done this. But would you tell us a little bit about the beginning of your career? You know, what it was like to be at Apple on the ground floor?
0: The way I got to Apple is, is actually pretty interesting. Uh, I learned about programming in a summer school class, fell in love, and really wanted to have a computer of my own. There were two big problems with that. Uh, One is that computers cost a fortune and were basically the size of a refrigerator. And I was 13, and my parents were not about to buy me one. So I spent a lot of time at the library and calling area companies to learn about computers and to see if they would give me free time to work on a computer. Computer time-sharing was a big thing back then. From all of this research, I learned about a a little group that got together every couple weeks up at Stanford to talk about computers and how to build your own, and that group was the Homebrew Computer Club. Intel had just released the 8080, and crazy nerds like me were figuring out how to build a home computer of their own. So I conned a slightly older friend into driving me to the these Homebrew Computer Club meetings a few times. I loved the meetings. I mean, I felt like these were people that I totally understood. I was probably the youngest uh, person there, but it was wonderful for me. But after a couple of times, my friend was like so thoroughly bored that he refused to drive me anymore. So I stood up at a meeting and asked if there was anyone that lived near Homestead High School that could give me a drive to these meetings because I was too young to have a driver's license. Uh, And this super nice guy came up to me at the break and said, he just lived down the street at Villas Air Apartments. And if I walked over there, we could carpool together. I thanked him and asked him again for his name. He says, my name is Steve, but my friends call me Woz. So that is how I met Steve Wozniak, actually a few years before Apple even started. When Apple officially started in January, 1977, I was their first programmer. I would get up about five in the morning, drive to the office I worked for a few hours, then drive to high school, (laughs) and after school, go back to the office and work several more hours. That was the greatest thing ever. I was 16 at that time. Apple grew really quickly. I worked on pretty much everything the company shipped for the first three to four years. Eventually, one day, uh, Steve Jobs came to me and asked me to work on his latest project, the Macintosh. So I joined the Macintosh team and ended up writing the word processing program MacWrite that was part of the initial Macintosh launch. That was a, that remember, was a wild experience. I remember that well, it's been, yeah, I've been very yeah. fortunate.
1: Yeah, well, I, you've been at all of these incredibly innovative companies and at a time when they were very innovative because you know, some companies kind of have that big innovative burst and then they kind of settle down. But you've been there for the peaks Are there lessons that you've observed from being in the belly of the beast in all these companies about what it takes to produce world-changing innovations?
0: Yeah, um, there's a number of critical ingredients that go into an innovation of of that level. I love when companies say, when they're trying to recruit people, they say, oh, we're going to change the world. And it's like, uh, that doesn't happen very often. And I've been super fortunate to be at several places that have changed the world. But of the ingredients, the the first one is the original idea, which usually is really simple in retrospect. For example, when Apple started launching, creating a home computer, lots of other companies were doing that. That wasn't the magic ingredient. What is more important is the team that implements the idea. The people are always number one. People are always your most important resource. People make the difference. For example, this is why Square has a very rigorous hiring process. You have to have the best people. That's the only way you can retain your edge, is to always have great people. Another critical component of it is is just attention to detail. And this was Steve Jobs' great superpower. Every feature had to work together, which created an overall result far greater than the individual features. And at at Square, we do the same thing, right? We look at every new product in terms of how it fits into our overall strategy to make sure everything works together. And one thing I've noticed is that Snowflake has a similar approach. When they introduce a new feature, it's impressive how simple and brilliant it is. One of my favorite examples of that at Snowflake is data sharing. I, I love it. I think it's amazing. It's a simple yet elegant idea on how to share data between users. The implementation of data sharing is supernatural and intuitive, the kind of seamless feature integration that marks a significant step forward for the industry.
1: Now, you started with the, the, the device that basically attaches to a computer, right? Mm-hmm. But now there are many facets of the business. If you could just kind of touch on the various dimensions of the business that you have now.
0: Sure. There's, I mean, we're always growing and evolving but always staying true to the vision of economic empowerment. So, I mean, we started, as you said, with the original Square Reader, making it for anybody to accept card payment using their phone or tablet. Today, we make our own readers. We build tools to empower businesses and individuals to participate in the economy. The first part is the... Sellers use Square to reach buyers online and in person and manage their businesses and access financing. That's like Square Capital. We Mm -hmm. also have Cash App, which is an amazing product growing at a ridiculous speed. And they use Cash App to spend, send, store, and invest money. They can use it to buy stocks. They can Mm -hmm. use it to buy Bitcoin. Send money instantly from person to person and that person has it available to them instantaneously.
1: That's pretty Mm -hmm. amazing. Oh, well, that's really cool. So, you know, we talked about, about innovation and you talked about the fact that hiring the right people is the key because these successful Silicon Valley companies, they don't just invent one thing. They have to keep reinventing more things and reinventing themselves. So they have to have a culture of innovation and all these add-ons that Square has done has just been building out from a central vision. So it it's really, that really is a cool idea. What is your role now? And what are the most significant technology challenges that you face? So
0: as always, my primary job is to support and guide the members of my group. As I mentioned earlier, great ideas are important, but the team is even more critical. People always come first at Square. I manage the infrastructure group, which supports our existing legacy data centers, as well as supporting our expansion into the cloud. We run all of our legacy services in our data center where our main payment processing is, as well as developing new services in the cloud to take advantage of new, newer technologies there. My group's mission is to support all of Square, enabling the company to move fast. My group develops tools and frameworks in order to reduce time to market for everybody. My group also supports what we call the data lifecycle. We are responsible for all the databases used by all the products and all the servers. And we handle that data, getting it into Snowflake, and then we use that uh, data to produce lots of reports.
1: In a previous conversation, you told me about the stresses you faced in the pre-cloud analytics world. Tell us a little bit about that and about how the data cloud changes things.
0: Sure, this is actually a favorite thing to talk about because prior to Snowflake, we were running an on-premise data warehousing solution. And Mm -hmm. when we first started using that system, everything was great. It was super fast, and all of our users loved it because our data was really small, and not many people were using it. But the users loved it so much that they started using it more and more, and we had more and more products pouring data into the system. Everybody thought it was such a great idea. We expanded from a few machines to a full rack to two full racks and so on. The, The thirst for more performance, more speed, more storage constantly increased and yet our physical data center space was limited we had to start limiting when users could use our data warehouse as well as killing queries that ran too long this led to users trying to rerun those queries in hope they could get an answer before it was killed sometimes they would sometimes they wouldn't this led to me having to decide which users to prioritize which led to lots of hurt feelings mm-hmm. and constant requests for being chosen <laughs> I mean, it was brutal for all the users. Those that were able to get their job done had to wait because the system was overloaded. And it was particularly bad for those who were not even allowed to do their job. We were just in a horrible position and how
1: to get out of it. When was it that you started using Snowflake and, and what was the deciding factor in, you know, deciding to use it?
0: Well, I mean, we started experimenting with it in 2017. We migrated off of our on-prem warehouse and started using it fully in 2018. The reason that we went to use it is, well, I had a personal reason, which is that, you know, I was not going to be able to continue supporting what we had. The company had all these reasons. All of our analysts were just furious at not being able to get their job done. And you look, human capital is the most expensive capital of all. We were just wasting so many people's time. So... I actually convinced the company to migrate to Snowflake. The full migration took about eight months to move from our on-prem system onto Snowflake and now, and now Snowflake powers all the decision-making at Square. We have daily reports on all aspects of the business. Every product owner uses Snowflake to see how well their product and their features are performing and they can see updates every day. I mean, it was, it was the best decision I've made.
1: Now, I understand that you're using Snowflake for a lot of different applications, but specifically, you're doing some powerful stuff with marketing. Can you delve into that a little bit? Give us some of the gritty details. Sure. So for marketing...
0: We um, have a process where we attempt to match names and address for our printed U.S. mail campaigns, because actually mailing physical letters to people is still a, a huge thing, and it's actually very expensive, and it's very painful. It used to be a huge project where basically we would get a list from a third party, SFTP it to a server, load it into our database, do our best to match it against our own data, generate a delta, download that data, SFTP back. I mean, it's on and on. And due to the size of the data and overall processing, this process kept breaking and always needed babysitting. We would do our best to run it once per quarter. And we all dreaded when we would have to do that because then we have to clear other users to make room for this job. But now using data sharing and bulk data load and unload, we do it all through Snowflake. It doesn't require any engineers to help and it runs weekly. I mean that's incredible going from quarterly yeah. to being able to run something weekly. And uh, that is a quantum leap in ability and what
1: you're able to do. Oh, no. You're really able to accelerate your business. Help me understand though, who's sharing data with who we have a
0: number of data vendors sharing data with us that we use to ascertain how good our addresses are from the data shared with us, you are able to learn which users are more likely to sign up for Square. Uh, we have a bunch of machine learning algorithms that run across that data. And then as last step, we actually securely share data with the print house who doesn't have to load a separate list or do any sort of server manipulation, anything like that. They just go directly into snowflake, select from the table and that powers their print
1: process. Yeah, that's a great example. Now, this is an example of finding customers, you know, reaching out to customers and uh, landing new customers. But obviously, the way the company is set up, you have the, all, this, this cluster of services, you know, any individual customer might use all of them. So how do you use data to get a 360-degree view of the customer?
0: Oh, and that's one of the, the great the greatest things about what we have, which is that our analysts are able to probe into the data constantly, and we're able to get unique insights on each seller and able to communicate with each seller, taking into account their unique circumstances, which services they use, which products they subscribe to. It's also really great when we're up announcing new updates that will particularly assist some sellers. It's great for our customer success group, because when a seller calls in, they can look and see instantly which products they're subscribed to which also tells them which ones they might benefit more if they subscribe to something else, you know, for example, CRM. I mean, it has just changed everything.
1: You have your own CRM application, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's interesting. So how do you compete against, you know, like uh, Salesforce and people like that? Oh,
0: I would say we're not really competing against Salesforce. What Square is building is more of an ecosystem Right. So if you have a bunch of customers that have come to your business, you already have you know, their name and contact information. There's no reason to enter it into a separate system in order to market to them. So what we do is we try and make the marketing to your existing customers or even potential customers super easy. Mm-hmm. We're not in direct competition with Salesforce, that's for certain.
1: It's, it's interesting when I think about Snowflake. I mean, they they compete with some of the most powerful and dynamic and innovative co- companies in the world, you know, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, just for starters. What's, what do you think is the key for technology companies, for, for the younger ones, the ones that are coming up? I mean, Snowflake's no longer a startup, but what's the key to competing with these giants in your view? To
0: never lose your customer focus, to always be obsessive about helping people, to have a a crazy attention to detail, and always hire great people. Those are always the winning ingredients.
1: Goes right back to Apple,
0: doesn't it? (laughs) It does. Yeah,
1: that's still what they're doing. Some good lessons. Yeah, some good lessons learned early. That's great. Now, a lot of your customers our retailers, restaurants, bars, all of the small businesses that have been hit perhaps hardest by COVID. What what are you seeing? I mean, are they, are you able to provide any additional help to them or, or are you able to get any additional insights that you can use that, you know, Oh. The, at some point, feed back to them and to their benefit?
0: Absolutely. This has been a, a, an enormous success story that when this hit, we actually prepared for everything to dry up, right? Because it looked like this country was shutting down and everything was stopping. And what that forced us to realize is that we had the ability to put all of these restaurants and stores online. Very, very quickly, and even to help them arrange to get a a delivery or pickup. So that's what we did. And so many stores and restaurants are thankful to Square for pivoting so quickly, enabling them to get online with e commerce literally in just a matter of hours and start doing pickup like later that day. So that's been a huge success story.
1: That's a very interesting thought because, you know, these local restaurants, these local shops, they don't, they didn't need uh, online. They didn't need e-commerce because their, their market was local, but suddenly they needed something that they had never needed before and they needed it immediately. So I think it's really cool that you guys were able to respond so quickly. I mean, in in my town, I live in a, you know, small city, 130,000 people the life of the town was these beautiful restaurants and, you know, some of the little shops, all these were owned by individuals or families and things like that. And just, you know, anything that can be done to save these people and their dreams and all the work they've done, I think it's just, you know, it's almost like God's work. So I, I really applaud you guys for, for doing that. Thank you, yeah. yeah. Now, you know, I, I have one more question for you, which is I'm, I'm going to ask you to put on your visionary hat and look ahead five years or so, whatever's a convenient time. How do you think business use of cloud data analytics is going to advance over the next five years?
0: Oh, I think it's going to completely change uh, the landscape of, of data. I think data sharing is just the start I think as companies learn to operate more together and leverage data from each other, it's going to benefit the consumer in ways that we can't even imagine. I mean, just the speed of how things are advancing is just insane. It's really, really hard to predict. I think that there is so much machine learning and AI techniques that can be applied to cloud analytics. We are just in the early days of what can be accomplished. There is so much more to go.
1: Hey, somebody asked me recently, basically, is most of what's in AI these days, machine learning, or are there other technologies, other artificial intelligence technologies that are really being used to deal with data?
0: there are there are definitely other ai technologies that are coming along you know we have we acquired a company dessa that created what we call deep fake technology you know where they could make a conversation sound like it was coming from anyone right that's not machine learning that's clearly ai and we are using those learnings to try and improve fraud because I can foresee a day when someone is going to call up the bank and pretend they are me. And we need to be able to detect that.
1: So that's voice recognition then.
0: That is voice recognition, voice generation. Yeah.
1: When I think about the future of AI, I mean, I think once again, there are wonders when you think about all the new capabilities. They're also, you know, ever since computing and certainly since the advent of, of AI d- domains and disciplines, there's always a concern, you know, they're going to take our jobs, these kinds of things. How do you see kind of people and AI coexisting in the world?
0: I think that AI is eventually going to be our greatest friend and a greatest advocate because the, the machines have no reason to help one person over another, talk about you know, lack of racism, lack of ageism, genderism, sexism—any of those things. Uh, machines are completely, you know, impartial uh, across all those things. I don't, I don't see them taking our jobs. I see them giving us new opportunities, new jobs to do. I'm actually very bullish on the prospects for the human race.
1: Well, I'm very happy to hear that. In the midst of this crisis, it's sometimes easy to get to depressed or anxious. But it sure is. <laughs> I, I, I'm i like you. I'm, I'm a technology optimist. I think we really, we need technology innovations to really achieve the kind of progress that society needs to achieve. You look at it now, it's it's healthcare, it's, you know, it's income and, and wealth inequity. I mean, mm-hmm. somehow that has to be addressed too. And I, I do think that the technology has a role in that area as well. Absolutely. But, uh, it, yeah, Randy, it's been great talking to you today. Uh, you know, you know, thanks so much for your time. Uh, your stories get better every time I hear them. <laughs> okay. And uh, yeah, and I love what you said about innovation and how the kind of the, the lessons that you learned at Apple are still the lessons that the great companies practice and that Square practices. I think that's really important for, for people to take to heart. And also, I thought your insights about You know, using data for marketing, about sharing data, uh, about the 360 view of your customer, and certainly about how Square has been helping its small businesses survive this COVID. I think that's really inspiring. So thank you so much. And uh, it's great talking to you again. And I hope to maybe we'll meet again in person.
0: (laughs) I hope we do. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full-day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com/data-cloud-world-tour.